I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy from the Kindergarten Kiosk Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, listeners, we've got an exciting show for you today. We're going to talk about how to do PD right. Uh, Stephanie, I've been in thousands and thousands of different PDs, have provided hundreds and hundreds of different PDs over the times. How do we get this thing right? Because sometimes I feel like I'm sitting there and either one, it could have been an email or two, um, I could have went on YouTube and found out how to do it better myself or three, it was just a complete waste of my time. So how do we do PDs right? So I think first off, we need to trust our teachers. Um, I think sometimes we have PD just to have PD because we don't know what our teachers are going to do. And I think that's a small percentage of our teachers that are not doing the actual thing that we ask them to do. Um, I also think we need to use some PD time to allow teachers to collaborate. I mean, there is so much where on my own time, I'm learning from people on Twitter because I don't have like another tech coach right down the hallway. So my, my PD is on Twitter. And so I spend my evenings doing that. And sometimes teachers um, don't, for whatever reason, you know, that that's my, that's my own time outside of the contract day is really finding my friends online. Um, but I think during the workday, we need to allow that time for them to work with another teacher vertically and the same grade level. Um, because when we stack up their days and we're just talking to them, we're not going to change instruction that way. We need to model what we want the kids to be doing. And I know a lot of districts, they want personalized learning or blended learning, but the PD is whole group. Blended learning PD should be done in stations. It should be done with a choice choice word list. It should make the teachers work. They should be more tired than me at at the end of that PD. Um, And it should be having different check-ins where I'm meeting one-on-one or small group with different teachers if that's what we want to do in our instruction. But oftentimes I see districts that don't always do it that way. Um, It's whole group and everybody's on the same page. Everyone's watching a slide deck where I think we can get more creative with this. Lance? Yeah, so I bet that you're you're similar to me in this point. Most of my learning, I'm going to be honest here, happens in my pajamas, Uh, sitting at home, on my computer, on YouTube, or uh, looking at Twitter or somewhere else, and just researching how I want to do things or what I need to learn. Uh, so I, I learn best that way. I'm not saying that everybody does, uh, or collaborating uh, on online like this. Obviously, not in my pajamas, but collaborating online with, with other people. I, I feel like that we need to move more to a task-based PD, uh, where we we trust teachers, as you said go and find the PD that you need. And if you can't find the PD that you need, then we, we need to have somebody that can help you find the PD that you need. But at the end of the day, you need to turn in some type of product um, of this is what I learned, whether it's you make a slideshow presentation or you make a video and you discuss what you've learned. Uh, and then we can take that and put it in a repository and then share that with everybody else because there's other people that probably need to know how to do that. One of the biggest things that in our district that we do is like we were talking about conferences before the show started today. If we send anybody to a conference, uh, we expect them to come back and re-deliver anything that they received at that conference. Uh, what we also do too, which is I think 
pretty cool is any conference that we go to, we create a Google Classroom for that conference. And every person that's at that conference that's in our school district will put all the resources in there, put notes in there uh, to share with everybody while we're there. Uh, so that, you know, we can de- kind of divide and conquer, I guess you would say. But but last, you know, I feel like that that we need to have uh, kind of some self-paced uh, PD also because, and then this is one thing, uh, Adam West, and we'll have him on the show another time, one of my coworkers. This is one of the things that he does really well. Anytime that he gets a question in our office, he sends a video out. He, he records, this is how you do it. This is the steps you go through. He sends a video out to that person individually, but then he's got a Google site of where he stores all of those things because he knows that if that one person has that question, that somebody else is going to have that question too. And now he can just point them to that website and be like, hey, I've got it here. Just send them a link to that page or to that repository or whatever he needs there. But if we could build PDs so that they're self-paced, uh, so that teachers could get it when they need it, I think that we'd be more successful because obviously Stephanie learns at a lot faster pace than I learned. I'm kind of slow. I'm from the South. It happens that way. I need more time to process and to to play and to tinker to get it right. For Stephanie, she makes all this beautiful stuff uh, really quick, really fast, and then pushes it out. So she gets through things faster than I do. And that's the same way as our students in the classroom. We have to scaffold the learning. We have to, you know, break it down so that our slower learners can, you know, get it um, at their own time. I think we should do that same thing for our teachers. Yeah, and I think too, what's interesting is our kids learn at different paces and our teachers do too. And I've got teachers that if I would introduce an app to them, it's not applicable to them. They don't need that app right now. And so I love going to teachers just like, what's your problem? And then problem solving based on their problem. Okay, this might be a really good idea for that. Or maybe you should use Google Slides or whatever it is, or that this is going to save you time. Why are you doing it that way? Um, So having those conversations with teachers are huge. So we're bringing back to the show today, uh, David Lurch. He was with us on our last episode. He's coming to us from the EdTech Distilled podcast. Uh, He's got his own podcast out there with Adam uh, Giesing. Come to us from Illinois today. He's a level one, level two Google certified teacher. He's a Google certified trainer, Google certified coach. And uh, he, he's taught everything from fifth grade to eighth grade, pretty much all subjects uh, and works right now with some distance learning schools and things like that. So David, I know you spend a lot of time doing PD, things like that. Help us figure it out. How do we get this right? Because we don't need to waste any more time in education, obviously. Yeah, I, I think that the traditional model of PD, I think at some point uh, somebody fell in love with PowerPoints. And it was so cool that I could throw all this great stuff. Like uh, I just think of Michael Scott when he doesn't learn PowerPoint and then just starts saying PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. But I I think at some point somebody was like, this is the greatest tool ever. And so I'm going to throw a million slides together with all of the information and just read directly off of that. And somehow we correlated that into the best way to do PD because, well, I'm going to read it to you and then you can take it home and relearn it. But we know no one does, right? When you take that home, you just don't have time to take that information and break it down and go back over it. And so my challenge in my district, I serve uh, two schools, uh, pre-K to six in one building and then uh, seven to 12 in the other building. And um, my challenge was, okay, I have all of these teachers and I'm the lone person that is serving all of these people. How can I facilitate PD in the simplest way possible? 
they're fantastic when we do these 40, 50, 60, 70 person sit down sessions. And I talk about something, but you know, I noticed like last year we did a Google classroom one-on-one session that a bunch of people signed up for. And I'm 30 minutes into this and probably 70% of the people there are grading papers because they already know this stuff, you know, they've covered it, they've learned it, they've done it. And so then I was like, I got to change this. We have to do something different. And that's where that self-paced thing comes in. And so when we talk about fixing PD, I think we, we have to, we have to have some ownership and some actionable work for our teachers to do. I think they need to be able to learn something on their own. And then I think they need to provide something. And I don't know what that is. I think that can be different for everybody. I know I have my preferred way of doing that. Um, and my buddy, Adam Geisen, if you talk to Adam, he's got a totally more complex way to do that um, than what I would do. But I think, you know, I think we need to start trusting our teachers to do some learning on their own and then holding them accountable by doing some actionable you know, projects or something like that once that PD is done. I think that's the way of the future, especially post-pandemic, because I think we've seen that it's totally doable to do that. Yeah, definitely. And we have to figure out like where teachers are. And I think too, them seeing the management of a personalized classroom, um, because it is different than you just teaching up on the screen. Um, you're, you know, you're pointing at things, you're, you're, you're the main, main topic of that point in that lesson when you're just at the top of the screen. And so you, you have different classroom management when you switch to blended learning. And so I think having that conversation with teachers as well is helpful. And I I would even go as far to say, if you're in a role as a trainer, to start thinking of your PD and your trainings as more as flipping your classroom, because I think that that, that model, I think is way more sustainable for you than, um, than, than doing your traditional stand up there and chat or talk or, you know, whatever small conversation you're having. Yeah. And that's interesting. You brought up flipped because there's times where I can't get to a teacher. Like I, I can't physically yeah. get to their classroom. I'm in 10 right. different buildings. I, I physically cannot. Um, and our Google meet schedule, like we can't hop on, I'm helping another teacher or something. And so I can just click on screencastify record a quick video, send it to her. And then I said, if you need any follow-up, maybe we can meet tomorrow. Um, But that way they get the help that they need immediately. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the key. I I think being able to provide something like that and then just sharing that out, I think is a great way to do that because I, it also doesn't, it doesn't take up a ton of time to, you know what I mean? It's, it's as much time as you want to take with that, which I think is important. David, you were talking about a second ago, uh, maybe a, a train as a trainer, because uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are trainers out there too. Um, when that, say, Google Classroom training, I'm not going to say went awry, but uh, when you didn't have the, the audience captivated and you said, you know, hey, we've got to do something different here. What, what advice do you give to our listeners out there when you start reading the crowd, which that's a very important thing to be able to right. do, you know, just like in your classroom, you're reading the crowd. You're looking at those faces. You're you're getting sure. information back from those kids. Are they getting the information or are they not? Are they engaged or are they not? What what do we need to do? How do we engage the audience? How do we bring it back when when things aren't going the way that it needs to be needs to be going? Yeah, and, and this is something I tell. Um, I I'm very lucky that I get to mentor a group of new teachers or young teachers. And one of the things that I always tell them is I'm like, hey, it's totally fine if your lesson fails, right? Like if you're in the middle of it and it's just a complete and utter mess it's okay. And so I think if you're in that boat with a group of teachers, um, they're going to give you a lot more uh, physical feedback quicker than kids will. I think Um, if you're 10 minutes in and it's bombing, you know, you can see it's bombing. Um, But I think maybe stopping 
And, um, you know, what, what I did in that case is we took a five minute break and, uh, then we came back and I put a Jamboard uh, file out to him. And I just said, Hey, you have to take five minutes and put two questions you have about Google classroom on it. And uh, so everybody did, and that's what drove the rest of our PD and it was really productive. So I think just being confident in the fact that it's okay to fail. So just pivot and try something different. I mean, I know that's such a general answer, but I, I just feel like it takes some time to get to that level where you feel comfortable doing that. And there's a level of trust there. You have to feel comfortable in front of those people so that they're, you know, I, I think there's a lot of um, tentativeness where people might feel that, oh gosh, I'm failing. Nobody is appreciating this. Nobody likes it. And I think if you just are like, hey, that was stupid. I apologize. Let's pivot and do something else. You know, everybody respects that, you know? So, I mean, that would be my suggestion is just to try something different. But if nothing else, if you have no ideas, I mean, a Q&A is always the best way to go, but I would suggest making them post something, not raising their hand to ask a question and giving them time to think. Because I think that if you say, well, let's do a Q&A, what questions do you have? I mean, it's hard to formulate those questions if you haven't had time to let your information percolate a little bit. You know what I mean? So I think I think that would be a, a route to go. Yeah, I, processing time is huge. And I think just hearing other people's um, ideas about a similar problem, because I'm lucky. I get to be in so many classrooms throughout a school day. Like today, I think I was in five different classrooms and there's things that I learned from teachers. And yesterday we were doing a figurative language bingo and I, we were talking at lunch about it and a teacher was like, oh, I'd love to see that. And I was like, I'll cover your class for five, 10 minutes. Just go over and watch it, you know, and because they need to see it sometimes in action. Some of these really cool things that are happening and the teacher down the hallway, um, and just having those conversations. And I just love that I can be like stealing ideas and be like, Hey, the teacher down, um, at this building does it this way that might help your students. Or, um, do you care if I share this idea and just sharing their bright spots with other teachers is really helpful as well. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go on to our next segment, which is our meme and quote. So, um, David, what meme or quote did you bring? Well, let me pull it up here. I had one about, uh, so the quote I have is from Ernest Hemingway. I love Hemingway. Um, I also love Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. And so if you love Ron, you probably love Ernest Hemingway. Um, the definition of like cool, you know, like tough manliness and, uh, but also like has a, a humanistic side. And so that's what I love about Ernest Hemingway. And the quote was courage is grace under pressure. And so originally when I had um, signed up to be on the podcast, it was, at the end of our previous school year, which was, you know, 2020, the pandemic school year. And um, it was really hard. That year was very difficult. And I felt like, uh, you know, I was really trying to find some ways to, to summarize like how I was feeling. And I kept com coming back to our teachers saying, you guys are so tough. You know, you have so much bravery. You're so courageous because, um, you know, no generation of educators has ever had to deal with a problem like that, you know? Um, and, and so that quote just stuck out to me. I was looking at courage quotes to share with teachers to talk about, and that one stuck out. And so I pulled that one aside. Um, just the idea that, you know, bravery and toughness and courage has nothing to do with, you know, what you say or posturing, but it's all about the way that you handle yourself when things get tough. And I think a, a lot of our teachers, uh, showed that in the past year. Yeah. Um, my quote is grace means that all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. And I think sometimes when we think we make a mistake, we are afraid because of imposter syndrome or whatever to like get up again and just try again or have that tough, uh, crucial conversation. 
but I think we have to remember like that, that served a purpose for us. Lance. So, so most of you know that have listened to our show that I'm, I'm a religious guy and I, I thought I would bring the true definition of grace here to us. Um, and, and this is what I think we are as teachers every day, but sometimes we need to, to remember this it says grace is the exercise of love, kindness, mercy, favor, and the disposition to serve one another. So literally to be a, uh, to be a teacher to, to me is to be a servant. And it's uh, in, in many different capacities and roles, but we're there to, to serve the children every day to, to try to do the best to, to help them. And then those of us that are trainers, such as the three of us, we're there as servants to, to the teachers to try to help to give them the, the best tools, the best things that we can and be the best we can every day just so they can go out and help, help students to, to be the best they can be. Yeah, definitely. Dave or uh, yeah, David, I was going to call you Adam for some reason. <laughs> okay. So do, do our voices sound the same? No, because we had, we had a, um, so Rachel McVeigh is like who they base the DLP program on to do the Google, Google coaching program. Like she's one of the teachers that was involved with that. So she was on talking about being a coach and she told me that when she likes, she listens to it, but she never knows who's talking. Cause we sound the exact same. Oh, wow. So I don't know how to take that either Adam has a very great voice because it sounds like me or, you know, my voice is maybe not as uh, good as I think it sounds. So no, I don't know why I was Shots fired. That. Yeah. I think you guys sound a little different. You sound similar, but because you're in the same area, maybe that's why. Maybe that's it. We're like Lance is definitely more Southern than I am. That's gotta be. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's the thing that, that, that's the thing that, you know, people can tell the differences that's, that I'm Southern. That's what got yes. me. That's what got you. Southern yes. yeah, yeah. I'm Southern and she's not. Otherwise yeah. it's the same thing. So it's the same thing, yeah. Stephanie. Southern Bell right there. <laughs> wow. Um, so David, what's something you learned this week that you can share with others? Uh, how awesome Wakelet is, is my first thing. Um, it's something I've dabbled with, but man, it has been a lifesaver as a coach. Um, and the second thing, I'm going to throw two out here because I have Stephanie on here. Uh, Genius Hour. If you are not doing Genius Hour, Stephanie has an awesome picture on her Twitter account of what a Genius Hour could look like. And I have so many teachers that are interested in pursuing this um, in the next, I, I think probably before Christmas, but definitely afterwards. Um, there's a lot of interest in doing that. And I'm excited for our kids. We have a low income school district and uh, we're always pushing our kids to kind of think outside the box and dream big. And this gives them that opportunity to dream big and explore that. And I will. I yeah. want to jump in there right quick, and I'm going to give kudos to Stephanie here. Uh, Stephanie does work really hard at what she does. Uh, she posts a lot of things, got a lot of things out there. So for those of you who are looking to do some things like David's talking about here, go follow her on Twitter. Uh, I don't give her kudos enough, I know, but she does do some great things. Lance just talked about before the recording that he was going to put his name all over my stuff. So that was really nice of you, Lance. I appreciate it. It is. I mean, you know. It's a joint effort. <laughs> Um, so my share is my genius hour template. Cause we were talking about it and happy to share. Um, it did take me a while to make, and I asked for resources on Twitter and the amount of tweets I got on that post, uh, were really helpful. So I did steal some ideas. So I did adapt, um, try to give credit where I think I did. I don't really know if I, I might, might, I'm not, um, but if I didn't and it's in there, just let me know. And I'm happy to put your name on whatever you might've shared with me. Um, but it's just a roadmap. And I think maybe we could do genius hours with teachers. 
Maybe they focus on a problem they want to solve in their classroom and then they explain research, they explore, um, they create a final project. Um, another teacher was sharing me with me in another district that they do um, ignites in their district. So four teachers will present and other teachers just pick which one they want to go to. And it's a quick 10 minute presentation. So I maybe after um, at every large group PD, it's like, okay, who wants to share from their genius hour project? Um, and then you get to hear all these four different research-based um, strategies that teachers are using in their classroom. So I might be looking more into this after the inspiration of this podcast. Lance? All right. So the one that I provided, uh, part, part of my job, uh, part of our office's job at the Future Ready office in Putnam County is to just be problem solvers. A problem comes up, we've got to figure out a way to solve it. How do we do that? So when COVID hit, uh, we were not allowed to do our high school's program of study fair. Uh, which was for students get to come in and walk around and see, you know, what all of our CTE classes and things like that are like. Uh, so they can kind of pick a track that they want to go in. So they challenged us with, well, how do we do our program of study fair when students aren't there? So uh, Adam West and I, Adam, uh, the guy that works in the office with me that we'll have on the show at a later date, uh, we built this website. And we went around and we filmed every single one of our CTE programs. And then we had uh, students talk about it. We had the teachers talk about it. Uh, and then we wrote a little synopsis underneath each one of those. So I wanted to share that with you guys so you can see what that product kind of looks like. Uh, and we did all this in two weeks. So we went out, we filmed it all, we edited every video, we built the website and pushed it out in two weeks. So it's a, it's a cool little project that we did, uh, but it's just all about problem solving. There was a need. We had to figure out a way to do it. And that's what we came up with. Yeah, that's really cool. Whenever you have like an, I just love design thinking. <laughs> After Google, it really changed my mind and helped me grow teachers and grow myself. So I really do appreciate the Google Innovator Academy. Um, well, um, David, how can people connect with you? I'm on Twitter at, at Mr. Lurch Class. And uh, you can check me out on our podcast that I do with Adam Geisen, uh, the other half of this bromance and we are at edtechdistilled.com. And if you want to be on that podcast, there's even a button that Adam coded on there where you can, uh, you can sign up. So check us out there. Hey, Stephanie, hit yeah. that button for us, please. Okay. Uh, I'm going to hit the button. Apparently I have to go to the link that's are in the show notes. Bingo. Um, so that way you are able to get to their podcast, subscribe and follow Adam and David. Um, I know David's on the show this week, but Adam was last week. So if you are just joining us this week, you can go back and re-listen. That was a yeah. great And he was fine. He was okay. He was fine. Yeah. We got to yeah. learn about their romance in their first um, ed tech date. I don't even know what to call it. Uh, like an edgy date, we'll call it. Edgy edgy, date. Edgy. Oh, I love so, it. So, 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 David, I feel like you and I kind of connect, and I think Stephanie and, and yeah. Adam kind of they're mediocre-ish, like you know. Yeah, Adam yeah. So, he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's okay. Yeah, yeah. We I could double it. date sometime. There you go, an edgy date, an edgy double date, an edgy double Yeah, and then we'll have Kyle, who's our third wheel. Our, yeah, he's fifth a great wheel. third wheel. Fifth wheel, right. fifth wheel, third wheel. I don't know. How yeah. Uh, but anyways, check out the show notes and thank you so much for listening to get inspired and innovate.